1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May along with Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. He's on from the get-go this time. I didn't have to have him teleported in. Boston, glad to see you, man. Glad we're back in the same room. A couple weeks, uh,
0: you know, scrambling around the country. I hope everything's still going well for your family. Uh, I'm gonna go check on mine next week, so we're gonna be separated again. But
1: uh, funny how both our families are in Texas. That's right. Though, right?
0: That's right. It's a it's, it's a small world and a huge state down there.
1: Yeah, my mom. Uh, my mom is. You know, my mom had another uh, situation she had to deal with. I had to be down there for a week and a half or so, and I uh, hope everything's great because my mom is the reason, probably the main reason I became a college football fan because it was my mom, not my dad, who really. really I mean, she was the one who would. I'm Alex Rodriguez. Laughed and cried and whatever with Alabama football way back when, and she was the one that took us to all the sporting events and took us. Uh, she would she would give us our pep talks before little league games and oh, things, wow. and then give you coaching on the way home. <laughs> I remember one time my big brother Ben didn't play in a game, uh, but he coached third base when he was like ten years old. And after the when the game was over, he came running down third baseline and slid into home plate, and she <laughs> she reamed him out because she had to wash <laughs> his uniform, and you didn't even play, so why should I wash your uniform. <laughs> but Bill was pretty good. But she but was I, your Bear Bryant. Oh yeah, she was. Our, she was. Uh, yeah, our Bear Bryant, uh, Howard Schnellenberger. <laughs> you want to name it? I mean, she was that person. And uh, you know, she's kind of bouncing back a little bit. It's a tough, long good. road. And I want to say a, a shout out because there are people there where she uh, sure where she stays called Pinecrest Pinecrest Retirement Communities in Lufkin, Texas, who actually watch this podcast. Good because of her. Yeah and uh and i spread the word as much as i could you know every <laughs> every 10 people we add you know it's kind of like adding another check mark to our checking account but yeah. uh but the bottom line is i'm back uh, in in ohio for a while a lot of good things happening uh for us uh, as the tote board shows on this podcast and uh, in in particular in letterman row in general this has turned out to be the place to the place to turn when you want to know about ohio state football news and i'm that's my segue into the fact that what was it about six months ago i think you were reporting that Corey dennis was going to be the next <laughs> quarterback coach it seems like that right but well, uh and then of course ohio state named Corey dennis the uh successor to mike yursich and you know no big surprise there but what's ohio state getting in Corey dennis in your opinion
0: well Six months ago, I was trying to get you to come help us, so I, I, I'm really glad that, that that's worked out that for us. That seemed like but, a year ago. but it, And it was a year ago, too, where Corey Dennis was in the mix. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was saying, boy, that feels like so long ago and not 13 months ago, but Dwayne Haskins was in New York and saying, you know, Corey Dennis really helped me. He's He knows how to break down a film. We've got a good rapport. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He understands the offense. He can translate what Ryan Day wants to teach and help me.
1: And – He's not just Urban's Urban Meyer's uh, not son-in-law. Just, no, certainly yeah.
0: not just that. And and if that was the case, I think that would have been revealed by now. So if you ask what you get out of Corey Dennis, they've had three, you know, three years or so to have him work. When he first got to Ohio State, and he was working directly with Ryan Day, it's sort of like, you know, there was no reason for Day to defer to Dennis or give him special treatment. Um, I mean, obviously everyone knows the connection with Urban and, and Nikki, but you know. At Ohio State, that only, that's only going to get you so far. It might get you in the door, yeah, and it probably did, yeah. but it doesn't keep you in there. And if if Ryan Day didn't want to keep Corey Dennis, didn't believe that he had a bright future, could have easily let him go to Colorado State last month uh, or stay at Colorado State after that seemed like it was going to be a done deal for him before Mike Yurcich left and let him prove himself as a full-time assistant and then just kind of take his chances. Because a lot of people wanted this job. You know this, Tim, like when Ohio State – Positions open up. <laughs> yeah, you got a long line. People around the country—they're going to be sending in resumes, trying to hit up phones, trying to find connections to see how they can get in the door. That was absolutely the case. You know, I was talking to John Bryce about this. who really connected on the coaching searches. They were people, you know, calling the agencies, "Help me get on Ryan Day's, you know, magic carpet ride." And yeah. the fact that Ryan Day said, "I'm good right here," tells you really all you need to know about Corey Dennis and the impact that he's had with Dwayne Haskins Well, here's the other the thing heels. too.
1: Ryan Day had, had the same thing happen to him a year ago. Hey, we're good right here. Mm-hmm. This guy, we know how sharp this guy is. Let's name him the head coach. Ryan Day, like you said, Corey Dennis has probably worked with him closer than anybody else on the staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan Day has an insight into what Corey Dennis is all about, and uh, you know, I've t- you know, I've spoken to Corey a little bit. You have too, and stuff. I mean, he is a sharp, sharp dude, and and you know. Even Urban Meyer, remember when he brought him on as a as a uh, graduate assistant or a, yep. uh, d- whatever you call teaching? I get them all mixed up, yeah, you he, know the designations. <laughs> he said, "You know this this guy is sharp. I mean he's a I mean he knows football, but more than anything else." He's big on learning what he doesn't know, and uh, uh, and now it's paying off for him. And with that, like you said, I mean the the, the testimonials he got from, exa- for example, from Dwayne Haskins Jr., from J.T. Barrett, probably yeah. are just Joe, huge.
0: Joe Burrow gave one actually. Exactly. Was asked about that last week on a teleconference before the title game. So he, I mean, he's worked with all of these guys, and they, there's no. If you've got a quality control coach or a GA or intern or whatever, there's no reason for you to single them out for praise. Most 99% of the people, 99.9% of the people, even the die-hard Ohio State fans, uh, aren't going to know the people that are on that staff below the full-time. Sometimes, you know, even, you know, Greg Stoudreau or however, they're not going to be uh, on the mind of a lot of common fans. You just – you focus on the coordinators and the guy at the top. Well – Dwayne Haskins is in New York. Justin Fields is in New York at the Heisman Ceremony. Both of them are bringing up Corey Dennis's name unprompted.
1: Joe Burrow won the Heisman. Yeah, so
0: he's worked with all of these guys, right. so that's a big part of it. What they've talked about with him, because there's a limited amount of on-field work, he couldn't really do that over the last three years. So that's going to be a new thing for Corey Dennis. It's not just going to be helping with the film and preparing uh, behind the scenes. He's going to be recruiting now, and he's going to be working on the field. So those are two big deals. Um and and I did think you know a, a month or two ago that he probably would need to go to somewhere like Colorado State to prove himself. And the the conversation in Day's mind is, do you have to have that, or do you believe in what you see and what you've known? Because if you know if you think that potential is great, you don't want to let it leave because you don't know to one year, two years down the road, if that opportunity to bring him back is going to be there. Right. And so I think he this is a big bet from Ryan Day, and it's a big debt you know uh, big bet that Corey Dennis made on himself the last couple of years, just sticking around instead of trying to go find somewhere else to work. And this has paid off uh, for everybody, I think. And I, I, I think it's going to work out because he's young. So what do you, they really need him to do is recruit. Cause day is still going to be very involved, imbo- involved with uh, developing and the offense and working with the quarterbacks. Yes. So he understands how to use, you know, social media. He's going to call, um, you know, I, people have have latched on to this thing that I wrote about with Mike Yursich and breakdowns in communication with C.J. Stroud. Well, I know for a fact that one of the one of the guys that was helping pick up the slack there in the recruitment of Stroud was, was Corey Dennis. That was something you're allowed to do with the DMS and and right. uh, outreach. This guy, this guy knows what where the bread is buttered. He's yeah, going, I think he's going to be a good. Well, that, that was
1: you know the the big question when they the big question for anyone when when like when they elevated Brian Hartline to you sure. guys like you and me. Uh, that seemed like a no-brainer, <laughs> but but you know the biggest jump, the biggest change in your life when you become a full-time assistant coach, as I mean, meaning one of the ten, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is the recruiting aspect of it. Yeah, you're, because, not, putting, you're not
0: putting this down. I mean,
1: right, right. Yeah, I mean, you're making trips. You're gone. You know, you know. Brian Harlan has a young wife and a young, young son, and uh, you know the the idea of being gone from the them. Uh, for a long time, that, that's a total change of pace. Brian Hartline has jumped into it big time, as we know. both know. But it was a little bit of a roll of the dice. That's why you want uh, – most of the time you want to see a young coach go to a place where he is a full-time assistant. How does he embrace, in my opinion, which is still the most important aspect of being a college football assistant coach is your vim, your fervor mm-hmm. for, uh, and, and vigor – uh, vim and vigor and fervor. There we go. We're the <laughs> you know, the two V's and one F <laughs> for VBA, recruiting yep. because that's what will ultimately will set you apart. It's a lot easier to be the quarterback coach at Ohio State when you've got a Justin Fields or you've got a Dwayne Haskins Jr. or a Clemson when you've got a uh, Deshaun Watson. Yep. Des- Deshaun Watson. That's easy for me to say. <laughs> or a, a Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence yeah than it is trying to mold a guy who's a two-star. So my, my, my point is that's, that's the role of the dice to a certain extent. And yet, you know, Corey stepped in and did a little bit of recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that, last year? Yeah. Made some recruiting just before they hired Yersich before they were able to name him uh, to fill in the blanks uh, uh, in that regard uh, after Ryan Day was named the head coach. So they know a little bit about what he's about.
0: And, you know, look, for you know for Brian Hartline, I think he, he knew what it was going to be like, but his family – You know, he'd been used to the NFL schedule, and people wondered if he would dive into that full, you know, full steam ahead. There was always those questions, and and he didn't really know initially if it was going to fit him either. Right. But for Corey Dennis, this has been the track, and the secondary part of that, an important one, is that you have the support. Like, you know, Nikki Meyer is learning under Shelly. The same way that uh, you know Corey is learning under Ryan Day and Urban Meyer, so she knows what it's going to be like. Yeah, with the kids at home. Yeah, but our, don't
1: you remember? Uh, don't you remember hey. the uh, the the pink letter and all that stuff? Yeah, that what uh, Urban Meyer had to produce uh, before he could be named the uh, well, fourteenth well, head coach at Ohio State. But
0: look, that's part of it too. That's part of Nikki's experience, and she'll and she'll have had these conversations with her husband uh, and their young family. Uh, Ryan Day's, I think, been in, you know. We, we've I think we've told this story before we're sitting in there after Wednesday night practices last year uh, filing stories finishing up practice report and it's eight o'clock and Ryan day is walking out the front door of yeah. the bigs lobby there and it's like whoa okay so that's it was like, like that every week though. yeah and you don't yeah. have so you don't have to work uh, 80 hours a week to win college football games and you can do some of this at home with your family and um, you know I, I all of that is part of it, and I guess that's a very long-winded way to say that Corey Dennis has the support of his family. Uh, you know, his father-in-law, his you know his mother-in-law. They've all taught Nikki what it's going to be like, and she knows from the last couple years. Yeah, she obviously saw what Urban did throughout his career and the way he adjusted and evolved throughout that time, and and that'll all be part of it. Because he's because Corey Dennis has his on-field education, his in the meeting room education over here, and then the family part of it. That's how. you... If you're going to be a great coach, you can't you can't do it without that. Support. Looks like the
1: grandkids are staying in Dublin too, there which is uh we know where they're going to be eating down at, down yeah, at the yeah. Pint House, Urban Meyer's <laughs> Pint House. They might get a little uh, kiddie menu there. We'll see if that <laughs> ever happens. A little non-alcoholic uh, brew. It's back there in the seven and room. Exactly. Hey, uh, how was what, what's your imp- what's your take on how this uh, the impact with C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller? How did that go over with them? Uh, I this think, will be the third Ohio State quarterback coach in. Uh, so we
0: uh, in, in three years. I think for for Stroud, like I said, he he had some of that communication with Corey Dennis and um, right. when, when he visited. I think he kind of expected that this might happen. There were some signs that that and with Yursich, I don't think that, that that was a a deal breaker for him in any stretch of the imagination. With Jack Miller. When we were in uh, went over to the princess. How many times do you think Jack Miller even talked to Mike Yursich? <laughs> you know. Not not enough for it to be a huge right. deal. Right. right. Honestly. Talk about coming and going. And but we we were sitting there and this was before it happened and, and Burham and I were just chatting with him. We said, Well, this is this is what's gonna happen. I mean Yursich is going to Texas. It was two days before the game, I think yeah. when we were over there. And and he said, you know, that's part of the business. He's been part of this. Like, he saw the transition from Urban to Ryan Day. He wanted to still be part of that. I mean, Day is the guy that matters to Jack Miller. Correct. Day is the guy that truly matters to C.J. Stroud. If there had been a change at the top there, we were having a very different conversation uh, about those quarterbacks and where things are going. <laughs> We'd be having all kinds of different well, conversations. <laughs> every, yeah, everything <laughs> would be completely different. But, yeah. So I don't think for this that it really changes anything. I think Jack Miller was probably slightly more – just as long as he was committed, slightly more attached or had a little better relationship with Yursich, But any more, you know, Cork Phillips, I guess, is the exception. Most of these guys are not basing their decision off of the court, of the position coach, Yeah. generally not even the coordinator. Like, And I don't – you know, if you're going to make your decision off the head coach, that's fine. I think you should, but that should be a huge part See, of it. You
1: saw what I tweeted, though, that Utah is UU and that Ohio State is DBU. <laughs> That's that great. And I'm just going, you know, it, it, you know, the, sometimes guys are looking for a reason to change their mind well, if you be. follow my yep, drift. Yep. And I, you and I have seen that a million times in recruiting and yep. stuff. But back to what we were talking about, I mean, um, you know, Ryan Day, uh, uh, clearly he was the attraction for Jack. He's the one who signed off on Jack Miller a long time. And he's the one who was very – attracted to the C.J. Stroud thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the primary reason why Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely an attraction going on here for quarterbacks. This is – I keep telling everybody there are different phases to this. I was talking about this with uh, Bo Bishop, our buddy, and uh, James I on 97.1 The Fan earlier, uh, that this is a golden era for Ohio State football because cool. they are attracting big-time talent just like – Clemson is doing right now just like Alabama is doing but you know it seems to be a little bit of a wane going on there I mean uh, we may be seeing we may be seeing a setup here I don't know if you agree with me or not but uh, we may be seeing something going on here from a, looking back three years four years from now sort of a Clemson Ohio State sort of yeah. uh, uh, rivalry beginning yeah I mean it's already sort of in in a lot of people's minds I mean you know, they've played two of the last four years in the college football playoffs. Obviously, Clemson has held sway both times. Um, it's getting closer. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Boy. But seriously, when you look at the recruiting rankings, uh, it's not
0: slowing down. And, and Berm wrote about it this week. But one. I'm talking about nat- the yeah. national look. Yeah. yeah. So, two, and I wrote, uh, you know, we talked to Berm and I went out to California in November. Yeah. And Court Williams and CJ Stroud. We, I mean, Clark Phillips was part of that. But. Uh, I wrote about Court Williams on Thursday last week. And yeah, it was a good story. It's The national draw for those two programs is off the charts right now. And I'm not suggesting that Alabama can't do that or LSU or Georgia, uh, but some of those Southeastern schools, SEC schools, are starting to to share the riches a little bit. And Clemson and Ohio State, I think, are, are filling in the void around the rest of the country. They have so much to sell right now. I, I think it's – you know, you're, you're trending this way where those are the two powers. And I'm not breaking any news here. Ohio State's won three straight Big Ten titles. They're just going to be in that mix every single year. Bo
1: brought up a good question. Bo Bishop brought up a good question to me, though. You know, is it – who's the closest to Ohio State right now in the Big Ten? It's probably Penn, Penn State. Penn State, I think, yeah. But, I mean, it the Buckeyes – and, you know, you still got to win the games on Saturdays or Monday nights whenever they play them, right? <laughs> Or Friday, Friday nights. Friday
0: nights. I think Wisconsin is opening on Friday night next right, year. Right there,
1: you go. But but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, the distance is getting it's greater between number one and number two, three, four. And
0: the risk that you have when that happens is that you start looking at the Big Ten the same way people look at the ACC. And it's not. I don't think it'll ever, ever. Oh, be it's at not the there. Dec- no. Oh, it's no, far, no, no, no. I, I, I don't mean it. That. All, but yeah. but the perception of it could start to be sure. that way when number one is so. Further ahead now, four, five, six, are all I think are going to stay well ahead of the ACC. Yes, two through six. Yes, but man, if you're looking at, you know, Penn State can't get to Indianapolis uh, moving forward because Ohio State is right there. Michigan can't even finish higher than third because their talent is dipped behind Penn State. Yeah, and they can't, uh, you know, get Jim Harbaugh out of his own way. I mean. Uh, you're going to have people start to look – that's why the, that's why there's this perception about the schedule strength for Ohio State, which didn't match reality, that it's like, well, they just have this easy path to win the Big Ten every year and they're just going to the playoff. It's really not that easy for right. them, but it's – who's going to challenge them? I, 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 don't, I just don't see how James Franklin – I've talked about him a ton with you over the years. You get him into a, a tight game against Ohio State. He has the most talented roster, in my opinion, other than Ohio State – but he doesn't know what to do with it. And Jim Harbaugh may have a better idea of what he wants his team to look like and may have a better idea of how to manage a game, but he doesn't seem to know how to build that roster the same way that James Franklin does. If you somehow put them together, then I think you have what Ryan Day and Urban Meyer have built.
1: Yeah, and the thing you have for Ohio State, like Clemson has got, like Alabama has enjoyed for the the most part through the years, you have a complete roster, meaning, right. yeah. you know, it's not like, like you see NFL teams that are built by the salary structure, the salary cap. They're built more offensively or defensively depending mm-hmm. on where you look. Where you're stupid if you don't build it offensively, you know, 65-35 because <laughs> <laughs> points are what matter, right? But the, if you look at this Ohio State team, um, with exception really of 2018 when the, when the defense went to – and, and then, of course, they did an homage to that in the, uh, in the, in the bowl game against uh, Clemson. The big plays they gave up were ridiculous. We already talked about that yep. a couple of times already. But, but the point is, uh, when you see the depth of the Ohio State roster, both offensively and defensively, that's and you look at Clemson, is the same structure. I mean, there are great players on Clemson – that you haven't even seen play yet. Like I said, the guy who made the interceptions, the third-string safety, Nolan Turner, whoever heard of him yeah. until the other night. But the point is, the guy clearly has some – But same way on the Ohio State roster, it's just guys getting a shot to play. I mean, Marcus Hooker, you haven't even seen him play yet, really. You well, know, I'm just naming some names. Yeah. People keep
0: – you know, because just to, just to use that position that you're talking about, people were so so concerned, asking Berm all the time, Yeah. how are they going to fill this void in the secondary? Well – Guess They also signed some guys last year, by the way. Yes. And Ronnie Hickman and Bryson Shaw haven't had a chance to play yet. Right. I mean, they're, those guys are, are ready to go. They're going to play a role. I mean, there are other guys that are ready to step in here for Ohio State that are four- and five-star, and it's, it's always easy to forget. Like I said, Dwayne Haskins felt to me like it was five years ago. So, well, that signing day was a week after the Heisman ceremony uh, the early signing period, yeah, and that was also a top three, top four—I don't, whatever—it was a top five class for sure. I don't remember if it was two, three, four, whatever, but uh, it was a smaller class, so it didn't probably didn't shoot up the rankings the way some others did. But I mean, the secondary has tons of guys ready to go. Like everybody's talking about the cornerbacks. Well, Seven Banks and Cameron Brown are ready to go. You know, Tyreek Johnson was a five-star, and he's had his issues getting on the field and making that transition for the first two some years. guys do, man, but. He's still a five-star and exactly recruit he's a, on the roster, yeah. uh, ready to you know try and make a leap. So it's not like there's some desperate situation for Ohio State because you haven't heard these guys' names yet, right? Like it's well, let's it's get let's, about to pop.
1: Let's segue into that. I mean, um, you you still you're still firm on your reporting that yeah. uh, yep. Kerry Combs is going to be the the next uh, probably defensive backs and probably some kind of co-coordinator mm-hmm. at Ohio State, right? That I am
0: firm on that. Once the Tennessee Titans uh, are eliminated what from is, the playoffs,
1: what is the uh, what is the reaction out there among uh, recruits and players to that news? From what you've been able to gather, well, I know that I know what I know what it is. I'm trying to get you to uh, to uh, <laughs> throw it out there for, our, for
0: well f- for our fans. I think it was a huge deal um, when Spencer and I were uh, the glue man when we were down there last week. Bb bb uh, when we were down there for. Uh, Sean Wade's announcement, I don't think if they had received smoke signals that Kerry Combs might be coming back that he would have made – he would have been as gung-ho maybe about that decision. It might have taken longer. It might have pushed him out the door. I think they wanted some indication of who that top flight guy was going to be and the fact that it also happens to be one who uh, stood on their couch and said, I want Sean Wade and was such a passionate recruiter to bring him to Ohio State. I think that helped tip the scales. Um, Cameron Martinez – Berm is the is the go to guy on that recruitment. I
1: can see Kerry Combs standing on a couch.
0: And, well, yeah. When so Randy Wade tells this story about the recruitment of you know when uh, we were just talking about Sean Wade's career and how it started, and he's like, and this is the you know that guy was standing on my couch right in there, uh, saying I got to have him at Ohio State. Like, so that that's another reason he, like, he
1: he was literally <laughs> standing on the couch. That's the story. Yeah, and so. Uh, when I can, I you know, can imagine that. I mean, but was, were his arms in the air, you oh, know. Oh, you know, he's like, you know, yeah. he's like this. That's yeah. the, the with Kerry that crew Combs. cut and the- when, when,
0: when, not if. Kerry Combs, I think, is announced here. Uh, that's I'm going to be trying to get some more details about that recruitment out yeah. of Kerry Combs now that he's back. And oh, you the, don't want to really know the details <laughs> of that. That's <laughs> my the secret. The master of the hashtag. Yeah, he never. He doesn't like to tell those stories. No, he doesn't. Um, he he hates to. In fact, you know, you know
1: what's funny. This is this is the. This is the strange thing about Kerry Combs, I don't mean in a bad way, is watch him on a football Saturday when he's running up and down the field, you know, on the sideline and uh, probably skirting the rules there of that little (laughs) stay-back zone. Uh, When he's out there at Minnesota in short sleeves when it's 16 degrees and it, you know, clearly he is drawing attention to himself, but – it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the Mad Hatter or something, who doesn't really know he's drawing yeah, attention yeah, to himself. Yeah. He's being himself. Yeah. And because man, when you do try to pigeonhole him in the past about talk about this crazy thing you did, you know that's the least thing he wants to talk about. Is uh the last thing he wants to talk about yeah. is the crazy that th- that's just him in a nutshell. But this is this is what this is what I keep telling everybody. I was uh. Talking, some matter of fact, I was talking to Bo about this, Bo Bishop, about this, and who could be that team that could rise up that people aren't really paying attention to in the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. And the team I named was Minnesota, mm-hmm. because what PJ Fleck has done there in two years, everybody thought PJ Fleck was row the boat, g- gilly golly gomzag or whatever it is he says. <laughs> you know what I mean? Row the boat, uh, Sky Yeah, Sky UMA. Um, I knew you'd know the answer to that since you grew up in <laughs> Wyoming. But I digress. Uh, because what else is there to pay attention to in Wyoming but what's going on in Minnesota? <laughs> uh, but I digress again. But the bottom line is uh, uh, look what he did at Western Michigan. Right. This, I mean, he built a substantial program at Western Michigan. And, and then he goes to Minnesota. And so, of course, you need a guy at Minnesota who's a salesman. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just have a uh, – you know, Tracy Clays, as much as I liked him – Boy, it just was hard to imagine him selling, you know, on the recruiting right. trail of somebody down in Florida or somebody going – or Texas, man, I want to play for that guy. Exactly. You yeah. know, whereas, you know, recruiting is a lot about winning the parents, winning the uncles, as uh, Urban Meyer would say. Third uncles. Uh, the third, no, the third uncles are the ones you want to di- divorce yourself <laughs> from. That's right. But you're right. Uh, uh, but the bottom line is – and P.J. Fleck has that about him. Yeah. But anybody who watched them play this year, if that is – that team came a long way fast, as opposed to Nebraska. Nebraska, you would you would have thought had more talent on hand, uh, uh, raw material for Scott Frost. Yeah. He's been there for his second year. I mean, boy, you take two programs just right out of right out of the air there. I mean, I could see Minnesota. But my point is, there's a guy. I'm using P.J. Fleck as an example of Kerry Combs. Right. Kerry Combs coached in high school. Uh, he came up, he became a big time high school head coach, mm-hmm. state championship winning head coach. Then he went to work for Brian Kelly at the University of Cincinnati, stayed on, I think with Butch Jones at the University of Cincinnati. That's where uh, uh, and then uh, Urban Meyer plucks him to be on his staff at a first staff at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. We all know what happened you know from there. and this guy has got a substantial background to him of producing absolutely. Of, of recruiting, but also producing winners and producing really good football players. You, people keep—I
0: don't think anybody forgot about it. I guess the the streak that he produced of first round picks at cornerback is unheard of. And people say, "Well, it's easy to do if you have the raw talent." Like, well, it was Eli Chris Ash. It was Chris Ash doing it. It was Greg Schiano, Marshawn Lattimore. And, yeah, you know, if you ha- if you have these guys, like. They're five stars. Everyone thought they were going to be that. I'm talking about the credit was going to guys like that. Sure. But but also the credit was going to uh, diminishing Kerry Combs by saying these guys, everyone thought they were going to be first-round picks when they were coming out of high school. Well, okay, if that's true – you still
1: have to get them. You yeah. still have to go stand on their couch
0: and say, "Let me develop
1: you." You still have to watch Marshawn Lattimore come back from this ridiculous uh, hamstring situation he right. had when he showed up at Ohio State and develop him. Uh, you're exactly right, Eli Apple. I mean, you know, right on down the line there. But if you don't, if you don't sign him, if you can't recruit him and get right. him in your program,
0: somebody else will be trying to turn him into a first-round pick. Right. So I'm not saying that Kerry Combs alone is the talent developer at corner. I think he's very good at it. But if, if that was his primary strength, um, you know, you could find other guys to do that. It's the fact that he is a relentless recruiter and a relentless talent developer and someone that everyone loves working with for the game day. So building a roster, developing the roster, putting the roster on the field. Kerry Combs does all of that. Yeah. And the the long, you know, question was like, do you, should has he earned the right to be a coordinator or call plays? Well, you and know, I talked about this last week. That's one of the reasons why he went to the Tennessee Titans, to add to his resume, because he was kind of stuck in this situation where Ohio State was always going to be looking at bringing a million-dollar coordinator because Greg Shiano was hanging out there or, or Chris Ash got that uh, you know credit that you were talking about. Now he's that guy. He's the prize coming from the NFL. And now all the other background stuff that he already has
1: with the Buckeyes, makes, that's a huge bonus. And, and here's the thing, too, about going to the NFL – Think about you you growing up as a coach. Mm-hmm. And you go from like high school assistant coach like he did all the way up through. I mean literally all the way up all the way up the ladder. The only thing he didn't do I think was coach middle school. <laughs> and who knows he probably did that part time. Yeah. There's a curiosity especially when you kind of had a glass ceiling put on top of you yeah. in college. It looked like under under urban uh, for Kerry Combs to become a coordinator, um, there's a curiosity, what's what's that next level really like? What is it like to coach in the NFL where what you primarily, all you do is coach? Mm-hmm. Very little, yeah. if any, uh, recruiting going on there except during the free agent era part, and you're not really that involved with that. <laughs> so the curiosity there, I would have done it. I would have jumped in a heartbeat to go to the NFL and experience that, and Mike Vrabel, you know, working with a new first-time head coach. I mean, I mean, just think about what both of them have learned along the oh. way. But now you're bringing that back. You you not only have produced players who have gone on and become first-round draft picks in the NFL, you have now coached those kind of players in the NFL. So now when you go into that room and you jump up on the couch, <laughs> man, that idea is reminding me of Tom Cruise on o, on the Oprah Winfrey <laughs> show when he was talking about how in love he was. And now, now he gets to go and be like, hey – Remember that last throw
0: of Tom Brady's uh,
1: playoff run there? And Dude.
0: Pick six to the house. All I've
1: been thinking about for a week, I watched that game with my mom, you know, at the Pinecrest uh, Retirement Community. And and uh, uh, I was just thinking, this is – Kerry, Kerry, Kerry Combs' defensive backfield had a lot to do with uh, possibly Tom Brady's last game being a nightmare. I think – because,
0: you know, going into last weekend, everyone's sitting there like, you know, we're – we're having this conversation. Is it going to be announced like the day after, two days after? Because they're right. surely they're going to go lose to the Patriots and Tom Brady, right? And nope, yeah. Mike Vrabel pulling out the, all the Bill Belichick tricks and and Kerry Combs with his his cornerbacks playing a great game and you know shutting down. So, you know the weather had something to do with it, but yeah, but they, hey, they, well, t- hey. they took away the one of the greatest quarterbacks maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. As Ryan
1: Day said, and I've always said, it's raining for both, for both teams. teams you know, yeah. It's like foggy for both teams. But, no, you're exactly right. So, that now that's on his resume. Yeah. Who knows, by the time he finally gets to Ohio State, he may have coached in a Super Bowl. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, man. Uh, of course, they've got quite the challenge uh, in, in the second round. But real quick, Sean Wade, what does that do in a nutshell for Ohio State? What does it do for Sean Wade? You and I on this podcast a week ago, I was talking about the – fact that you were going to Jacksonville, you and BB, Mm -hmm. glue man, as he's well known, or chives, were going to Jacksonville for that. And I'm just going, well, wait a minute, the guy's having his press conference or he's having his announcement in his home, you know, to announce he's coming back. Uh, You know, that's hard for (laughs) a fish. But then I got into the fact that if I'm an NFL team, I want more video on Sean Wade playing cornerback. And bingo, bingo, bongo, that's what one of the parts that came out of the conversation was. He has some more to show on the football field.
0: He does, and and Ohio State needs him to be the primary cornerback yeah. because I mentioned those other guys. Uh, you know, Cameron Brown and Seven Banks, uh, Amir Reap, uh, Tyreek Johnson, if he takes a big step forward in spring, those guys I think are going to be good cornerbacks. Sean Wade has the potential to be a great cornerback and the one that you put on one side of the field and you don't worry about anything else. A Jeff Okuda type, a Marshawn Lattimore type, Garyon Conley when they were at their best. He can be that first round pick, but he hasn't had a chance to show that, and he got that feedback from the NFL scouts and general manager and the advisory board. Yeah, like they, we think you're good. Maybe you and I could be on that board. Yeah, but and this and this is something that people say. Well, he could be a first round pick because teams know he can play that nickel corner. Well, they're not. The NFL teams are not hoping. To draft a nickel. No, cornerback. they want to draft a great corner like, that they can turn like, into the. Like nickel Bradley corner. Roby has become that. Correct. But Bradley Roby was a shut down cornerback in college. Correct. They had that on film. You know they need that. They need to know that you can do both. And everyone has an idea that Sean Wade can do. Well, both. But
1: here's the other thing: you're going against a receiver in the NFL in that slot, who's also, also that was also a great. Probably a great college receiver. I mean, it's not like you're – you know, now now the college game, I'm not short shrifting. The college game has gotten into the, a lot of that too yeah. of, of trying to get the matchup they want uh, with the guy coming out of the slot on, on maybe your third best cornerback, things like that. Uh, see, I, I don't know where I put Sean Wade is – I don't know if I'd call him the third best cornerback. He was just one of the corners. It was like a – it was like a Revolutionary War – <laughs> they had a Revolutionary War hat on, the Ohio State defense did this year. They basically had three corners on the field with a safety a lot yeah. of the time the last half of the year, and uh, that's what – you know, he's that third corner, but I'm not even sure if you would call him the third corner. I kept – and that's why I kept – I kept writing about –
0: this is something that no one would ever have probably noticed or picked up on, but when I wrote about him, I always called him Ohio State defensive back, Sean Wade, because yeah. he could, yeah. he played so many different positions and he could have lined up anywhere – depending on what Ohio State needed, and that's still going to be true for him. Now, in part, that might have kept his value down in the short run, but next year and next year he knows there's still going to be times where Ohio State wants to move him around. He's so versatile. He's just going to give you – See,
1: that's what I was getting – I'm shaking my head over here while you're talking because I just keep thinking about the plays he made yeah. this year in the middle of the field. I'm talking about near the line of scrimmage, and I'm thinking about that blitz he had that was – I'm not going to get into those. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the results of the play. Yeah, yeah. The uh catch, the catch strip, scoop score, they got screwed on that play. I'm going <laughs> to leave it at that again. And anybody <laughs> says they didn't, well, you know, that's too bad for you that you don't know anything to, about anything. Go listen anything. to a different podcast. Yeah, exactly. But I digress. But just his his value of being in essence the hybrid. Yeah. But he turned into the hybrid for that defense that we talked about, about uh, Brendan White. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Pete Werner really was – Pete Werner pretty much played outside linebacker all year. They rolled him into into that safety a little bit, and I think just to show that we'll do it. You know, yeah. they're saying we'll do this. Y'all cover this, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but the bottom line is Sean Wade was really the hybrid back when you really look at that defense. He was. And
0: I think there's – he knows that part of that is going to have to stay – in the arsenal for Ohio State because he changes things for them and he yes. can't just he can't if no one is ever going to throw on him he's not going to get what he wants and Ohio State's not going to you'll
1: get you'll get, he'll get video he'll get he'll get video that the NFL can watch that he's covering this guy so close no then, one will throw no one to one like will throw like him like Jeffrey Okuda's yeah. going to be selling this month
0: but if you have Sean Wade and you don't use him to blitz if he doesn't. Yeah. occasionally be in position where he can help against the he run. He could be so
1: much more productive for yeah, you.
0: That's, and that stuff is what's you know, I think that's why you saw so many mock drafts that had him in the first round because everyone could see his versatility and then they were trying to project the rest of the cornerback stuff. So, yes. And, and, and Wade and his family I think had a, a really good understanding for that. And sometimes guys don't. They, they look at the mock drafts and they think, well I am that good and teams are going to realize that. Well, they're they don't have any incentive to force it. And if they say we want to see you do it, you kind of have to do it. And he he came around on that. And Ohio State said, Sean, if that's what you need, I mean, you're going to be our top cornerback no matter what. You're going to be in those situations. Yeah. Come do it for us. We'll help you. You'll get in the first round. And the other part is he he, he can't be there 100% of the time. But the fir- the first part of your question was, why is it significant? Well, they were going to lose all four starters in the secondary. Yeah. And Sean Wade, as great as Jeff Okuda is, and he's a top five cornerback. Damon Arnett, I love everything about covering him and watching him, and his develop. His story is so cool. Yeah, that second, was a great video you had yeah. with him last week. Too. Yeah, we've got another one where he's talking about himself coming next week. Second, yeah. second and third round pick, Jordan Fuller, just a, a, a pro safety. Sean Wade is the one that you moved all around the field already. Yeah. Ohio State knows the value, so. He, he's the one starter that you probably can get the most value of by having one more year, yeah. and you don't have to replace all four. Just just based on that alone, I'm guy turned sure. down money. He's, a, he's now a veteran in the room. And, he yeah. Does,
1: yeah. and the other thing, I'm not sure the NFL would necessarily down the road look at him as a pure corner anyway. I mean, that's what he you're getting not, to. Yeah. I mean, if he gets a little more beef on him, I mean, he could be – you know what's, what I liked about y'all's video down there? Uh, well, two things. Y'all need to tell him to hold the microphone a little closer. Cause well, all right, here. No, no, for, me let me with, no, no, let me finish.
0: Hold on right now. It, it's the volume of his voice. The microphone is strong enough, okay? I, wait Just a little
1: How can I explain <laughs> to people I cannot control the volume of my voice?
0: <laughs> that So Chives had that microphone set up perfectly, and it's just that Sean Wade talks in a low voice. Right, so, I know. Like, we both had it held. It's, I just want to give Sean Wade credit because his parents were giving him a hard time. Like, and and Spencer like with the mics like what's going like no one could hear you I'm like
1: I well, mean the way he was talking he should have had it up in there like he was uh, lip syncing you know the when they lip sync on TV yeah. but they hold the microphone so you can't see and the other okay, thing anyway I, the other thing I liked was the pool with the mosquito uh, oh, yeah. screen over it I mean you know he's Evidently, his family's done pretty well for itself, (laughs) and if you follow my drift, and uh, I just like the whole setting there, man, and and the fact that you guys scooped the world with uh, it—that was what was cool. Some people gave you credit, some Some didn't. didn't, Yeah, but uh, hey, though they wonder where they saw it. They have to live. Yeah, exactly. Wonder wonder what channel they saw it on. <laughs> you know, uh, they have to live with that burden. But uh, Whoever the, that might have been, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line is it just shows how lettermanroad.com continues to explode upon the scene. Just when you think you've got it contained, you know. It <laughs> We're moves. heading to Jacksonville, baby. Yeah, but I just thought it was cool uh, that it reminded me of Joey Galloway. Joey Galloway had a press conference uh, between his junior and senior year, and I'd written a column in the paper that morning about all the reasons why he probably was going to go to the. I didn't say he was, but all the reasons he probably was yeah. going to go to the NFL, and uh, and he got up and announced he was coming back. And he and as he walks out of the room, he goes, "By the way, Tim, that was that was an interesting column you had in the paper this morning." <laughs> and he kept going, but uh, hey, he. I mean, Sean Wade had reasons to go. He, he, oh yeah. If he left, you couldn't have blamed him. He's he. Let's let's put it this way no matter where he was listed, he was going to get drafted, number doubt. one. Yep. Number two, he was going to be making money, you know, deep six figures, uh, prob- possibly even seven figures next year yep. uh, as a as a professional cornerback or a professional defensive football player. So, uh, But the fact he's coming back, you know, there's two things involved there. Number one, he realizes his shortcomings, where he can get better. He also understands the jeopardy because he dealt with it this year, yep. the injury jeopardy. Right. And uh, – you know, he'll have an insurance policy. That's- yeah, exactly. You know, Unlike the Mosley kid and his dad, what a fiasco that Boy. was down at Alabama. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, but, but then the other thing is, you know, he'll have his degree when he leaves because all these guys, you know, they're graduating. And under you know, Urban Meyer, the Ryan Day, Jim Trussell, you know, whatever, these guys are all graduating. They're getting their degrees. And whatever they're in, they're going to have a college degree. And people can short shrift that all they want. But, man – Football can last when you're out of the end of, when you leave Ohio State it can last one year it can last fifteen years there's no guarantee of either know. one yeah. and uh, so that's that's a the the thing that he's thinking all the way through that is what I give him credit for what I think is and his parents and what I think is crazy about this
0: Tim and and you've like the timeline for that has changed so much when you're talking about Joey Galloway you know he would have had five six weeks. To think about it before the deadline, right? I mean, yeah I don't remember exactly, but it was but a while. It, Like, it's changed a lot. Like, if Ohio State had been playing on Monday night yeah, in the crazy. national title game, those guys have a week to go through this whole process. And I'm, I'm not naive and pretending like the work hasn't been done in advance. I'll think, about, think that about that after the game for a long time. Yeah, like I, I, you know, I'm not pretending like none of that work is done in advance. And. And Sean Wade. By the way, did father, Chase Young announce he was leaving? He, fi- he finally did. Yeah, he's
1: new no, year. I'm <laughs> going with that. He's, uh, what was TMC there?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't believe they missed that story. Um, but you know, like, you, if your decision is hard, like Sean Wade's decision was hard, and then you you're still trying to ignore it to to get go down to New Orleans and get ready for you know LSU. Yeah. And then you have that turnaround. Like, it, I just it's so hard for them. I don't, I don't understand why the deadline is when it is. Like, why not just have it all the way up through February, right? Yeah. Make a decision before spring. I know that coaches, if they'd heard me say it, they'd say, no, no thank you. Early signing days on February 4th or whatever. But let them take their time. Well, what
1: I don't understand, this is what I don't understand, is in college basketball, you can announce for the draft. if Go you don't through take, the
0: process. If yeah. you don't
1: take an agent now, right? Yep. Uh, but you can get counseling, mm-hmm. right? And then you can decide to come back, like what Caleb Wesson did, right? Caleb Wesson, yeah. And I don't understand the difference between college basketball and college football, the, the rules there. I don't understand at all the difference. I mean, Caleb Wesson was able to go to those camps, right, and, and, and work out, which yep. is the, the, the uh, same it's, thing as the combine. Uh, I mean, I haven't had any – I've tried to ask people to explain to me why there's a difference. Why can't you de- declare for the draft – then, if uh, you get taken in the eighth round or eighth round, seventh round, <laughs> or you don't get drafted, why your football career is now over? Right. If in fact you don't take, uh, you can take counseling, I think, but you can't take money from that person, yeah, right? The agent uh, can't pay for your right expenses. And, and I'm talking about the college basketball aspect. Why can't you do the same thing in football? Doesn't it? Isn't it perplexing? Yeah, and I, I just think
0: there are so many rules that when you look at it and you you don't think about it. Like, you and I get the privilege of of dealing directly with these athletes and talking to their and families. And the coaches. And the coaches. Yeah. So we know, and like I said, like, the coaching factor, they want to know their roster, and they would not have been a big proponent of what idea I just laid out.
1: There. Right, or me neither. I mean, because, you know, if if Sean Wade announces on January the 20th he's leaving, you have still have – Two or three weeks yeah. to sign an extra yeah. defensive back,
0: and, and so I, I get that part that everyone has, that everyone has different interests. But sometimes you th- you look at this and it's like, wait, the draft deadline's coming. Like, what are they going to do? Or uh, I saw this with uh, somebody else writing another week about the current guys. Like, man, they don't have a path to playing. Like, maybe they should transfer. Like, it's so you're, you're dealing with a, a 18 to 21 year old kid making a, de- a decision for their career. If they're still in college, millions of dollars. If they're going to the NFL, and we're putting all, there's, they have all these hoops to jump through and uh, deadlines that don't make sense, and the pressure to to not prepare for it or talk to an agent in December. But and then not you,
1: everybody has a family like Sean Wade's family. Well, you and, understand? And, I mean, we're and, talking and about some group, sharp people yeah, there.
0: The people that had a really good idea of what where they stood, what they needed to do. Randy Wade and and, and his wife had been doing, you know, talking to uh, uh, Stacy Elliott and, and other f- families who'd gone through the process for months trying to help Sean Wade and as you said not every family knows that there's going to be a tough decision and you need to start working on it in November so that when Sean does get right. that point because if they'd won and you have one week to sit down at the family and say here's this this and that it's, it, it's, it's mind boggling to me what they have to go through and I just I guess my point is maybe the rule's are fine the way they are, but I think I have a be- greater appreciation just than I did before last Saturday in Jacksonville of how complicated it is to get to that decision, and the fact that he chose to come back when it's the easier path is probably to go to the draft and just take your chances. Yeah, and then you're out of school. Like I think that deserves a lot of praise for what Sean Wade and his family did. Sure does. You know, and
1: uh, but I think you know when, when this when you get to a certain level. This is a thing that definitely college football needs to address. When you get to a certain level in college football, and it becomes obvious to everybody that you're a potential, uh, you're a potential NFL big-time player, <clears throat> I think the Jeopardy insurance, the Lloyds of London policies, et cetera, the Lords of London should be handled by the universities themselves. That the, you, you know, you should be eligible. Uh, it should be a program set up by the major colleges. Mm-hmm or whatever colleges, to take care of you in that regard, yep. meaning help you with that aspect of it so there's no cost at all for you or your family for you to come back and play for good old you. You know what I mean? I, G-O-U. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, those are just little things. The money is definitely there to do, and that's not that much money right. involved. And uh, that so there should be a lot of give and take on all kinds of sides of that. The other thing I've thought is maybe going to – for major colleges so that you could put off, like I said, uh, you could put off a decision on whether you will follow through and go to the NFL based on where you ultimately did get drafted, which the draft's not until, what, the first of May or late April now. Wow. Um, but but so the, the colleges aren't set, sit, sitting left, and left holding a the bag, bag one way or the other. They've got to hold a spot for you, or they've got to uh, suddenly fill in for you is – you know instead of being an 85 scholarship limit anymore you can si- you can sign 22 or 24 players a year to a scholarship and you get to sign that many no matter what meaning it would be more than, it, is, yeah. it would be more than 85 total and you know for the schools where players aren't necessarily matriculating they have a bonus of having a few more players on scholarship which would, in essence, kind of help the parity of the yeah, situation. Right. So there are all kinds of ways they could go now because to, to just stick to status quo because status quo has worked so, work so well is crazy anymore. And uh, there are all kinds of things that the colleges can do. Uh, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, those are like, – you and I have been doing this so long, like, and we've talked to so many people. We've got a million different ideas, and, and everyone – you're trying to fi- find a one-size-fits-all for schools that are not the same. And that's the hard part. Right, like, you know, we're talking about how this impacts Ohio State because they have seven, eight, nine guys that are making an early entry decision. Well, Wyoming had one, so yeah, they're not worried about it happening on January 20th. They also weren't going to be playing on January 13th. They've been done for uh, since since New Year's Eve. They right, don't, they don't care. <clears throat> um, so, and that's that's again part of it where our decision. Or our conversation has completely digressed uh, off of the off the rails here.
1: Well, no, but here's what I'm getting to. Here's what I'm getting to. We've been asking, we've been we've been talking to Chase Young and Sean Wade, middle of the season on uh, Jeffrey Okuda. I mean, J.K. Dobbins. In almost every interview situation, they get they have been asked about it Mm -hmm. in one form or the fashion, one form or fashion, almost since last season ended. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying?
0: Did you ever? Wait, hold on. You never asked Chase Young if he was going pro.
1: No, I assumed it. Yeah, I didn't. Neither of us. I did. said they have. Yeah. They've been asked that. All right. No, we we were we were we were looking at Chase Young incredulously. When you you think I'll get double teamed? Uh, come you think on. I'll get? Remember that conversation? Oh, I. Well, I think BB was in on that one too. Wasn't was he? that last Glue Man? Last was it last the August. Okay, yeah. Last time you sitting there after one of the because. practices or something, and we're just sitting there. And we start shooting the bull, <laughs> we're just looking at him like, "What are you nuts?" <laughs> and yeah, I guess he found out the last three games yeah, of the year that uh, not just <laughs> double team. You're gonna, your
0: face mask is going to get grabbed, and they're not going to call it. Three guys are going to be able are allowed to block you, You're, and they're going to hold you. They're, they're allowed to put their your arm faces. around
1: your neck and hang on to you, I, dude. It was crazy. I don't
0: think he. I'm trying to remember. I don't think he drew a holding call the entire season,
1: dude. I'm telling you. I mean. You talk about sending video in to the officiating crews or the officiating um, uh, organizations. It's crazy what went on with him the last three games of the year especially. That was –
0: when did I ask Day about that? Like after the Wisconsin game, even with the four sacks? I can't remember when I asked.
1: It was one of those because there were some blatant –
0: Yeah, because I didn't – maybe it was after Penn State because that was the worst one. But because I didn't know if they had done
1: that or not, like. They do but, it every they, but, yeah. But they, that was when they always do that and, and send in. But what we're talking about is, ladies and gentlemen, they always send in a critique of the video to the officiating uh, officiating heads oh of my, the Big Ten. Oh my God! What
0: I want to get, I want to, I want to Yeah. The I wonder if you, the wonder notes if they if you can notes for FOIA. The Can you FOIA if, that? You probably can't. But I would give anything to see their critique of the Fiesta. I just, I'm just,
1: I'm just like I just thought one play in the Fiesta Bowl summed up. Everything for Ohio State was the stop-action photo. Matter of fact, I think you guys may have run it too. But uh, you guys, us guys, uh, may have run it too of uh, the inadvertent helmet-to-helmet hit between Sean Wade and uh, Trevor Lawrence, while the right tackle for for Clemson has a hold of Chase Young's mask. Yeah. Unbelievable! Hey, we'll, we'll get we'll digress real quickly. <laughs> Let's talk about this national championship game. Yeah. Um, Joey Burrow. Uh, well, as we L- sit here, what what are what who is favorite? Uh, as we sit here, what are the odds? I can't remember. Spencer's got LSU's by five and a half. LSU five seven. and a half. I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that. Don't like it. Well, I mean, uh, you know, of course, Clemson was favored in the uh, in the uh, game with Ohio State by two and a half. I think finally, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, and the big money that came in on Clemson late, I guess, was right. They, they had to be nervous because <laughs> uh, they yeah. didn't really have the talent correct. Talk about investigations. But, anyway, I digress. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, uh, God.
1: I'm telling you. Imagine if that was true. I, I'm just Go looking ahead. at this game, and, I, you know, I, I like Joe Burrow in this game a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, like, the way Trevor Lawrence was able to put Clemson on his back and basically take them to that win over Ohio State with a little help from his striped friends. Uh, but <laughs> – I, I this game is a this game is a push to me, man. I mean, it's a, I don't know, whatever you gambling guys call it.
0: Yeah, um, a, you know, coin flip, 50, too close 50, to 50, call, too close to call. I I I think I would I would lay the points and take LSU in this one. That's where I'm leaning. And I said this to you last week, and I said it to you the entire week in the desert that I thought the team that won the Fiesta Bowl win the national championship. But what I saw on the field from Clemson did not match up to my picture of them, and I. Uh, It's hard to be, like, I don't want Dabo to hear this and say I'm disrespecting the Tigers. Uh, I'm not. I have full uh, respect for what they did. But they were really given a gift in that game. And if it had been played nine more times, I think Ohio State would have won all nine of them. Because there's no no way that those ten plays or however many you want to pick, seven to ten, or even just three of them, if – it, they had to have all of the bounces, what, all the calls. Going one
1: over. play, one of those plays
0: goes Ohio State's way, and the game's over. The game's over, and and I, like Spencer and I were just watching some other clips last week, and he stopped it and he said, "Did you even remember this play?" It was KJ Hill in the first half drops a touchdown off his face yeah. mask, and I'm like, "I don't remember that even happening." Yeah, but that's another one that like I didn't even write about it in the what if column after the game. So these things that never happen all happen for Clemson in a row. I think Trevor Lawrence is great. I think Travis Etienne is an amazing back. I think those wide receivers are very good. I think Clemson's going to score. But I don't know that that defense is as good as I thought it was, and they caught some breaks, especially the Dobbins drops. But K.J. Hill there is one. If the, if the officials don't blow that late whistle to review Garrett Wilson's catch, which that was ruled a catch on the field, right, J.K. Dobbins is going to walk in to score. Yeah. Um, that's another touchdown that you put on the board. Um, and not a field goal in the red zone. I,
1: or I if J.K. Just, had finished that one other long yeah, run. I mean, I, if he'd gotten there, yeah, exactly. You know, he exactly. I mean, you know, exactly slips right. on the field. Like yeah. the
0: field helps. And yeah, like we don't but, have to go through all that here, again. But my yeah. point is, like, I don't think that Clemson is as good as I thought they were.
1: Well, here's what I like about here's what I like about LSU because LSU is an over the top passing team. Uh, we both saw that if you can protect, if you get some kind of handle on Brent Venables, the call from one play to the next. I mean, we're not talking about as complex a situation as you think. Except you've got to you've got to react to what's going on right in front of you on the field. Yeah, uh, they have more of a sense of that because Brent Venables had to pull out all the stops against right. Ohio State yep. and still should have lost the ball game, in my opinion. Uh, but so joe burrow has a sense of what the chaos is going what is chaos and what isn't Mm -hmm. as far as what uh, clemson is trying to present to you they've got the jefferson kid which is a big time over the top receiver who i think matches up very well uh, with some of the guys in the clemson backfield defensive backfield so i agree i think lsu holds sway i think one of the major Differences too is LSU's defense definitely came on as they got more healthy at the end of the year and got a couple of guys back. Um, I think that's going to be the difference. I could see LSU, I could see LSU running away with this unless they get some help from their friends. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays
0: out. But I, it's the other part about that Venables matchup. We talked about it with you know Day and, and Venables matching wits. Well, it's a little bit different. This week for LSU than Ohio State because Joe Burrow is 100 percent healthy and he is a fifth year senior. There's not anything that he's.
1: Here's the thing about here's the thing that Joe Burrow gives him that Justin Fields didn't necessarily give Ohio State yet. Joe Burrow, if you watched him play this year, was extremely patient. He, like you and I both know, if you call it if you follow football, if you can buy that one extra second. Somebody's going to be wide open. I don't care what defense you're facing on the other side of the field from college, and even yeah. in the NFL. And that's what he brings to the table in this game that I think makes a difference for them from an offensive standpoint. Trevor Lawrence on the other side is ridiculously good too, but I don't think he has, uh, I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is what 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 LSU has going for them that necessarily Ohio State didn't was. For the most part, Justin Fields ran the play. Uh, yeah, uh, Joe because Burrow of the, because of the knee,
0: right? I mean, exa- that's...
1: Joe Burrow can get to the next level of the play, mm-hmm. which I think will make the hugest difference in this game.
0: Yeah, I, and I think
1: uh, he,
0: he's seen every defense that he could. He's been right. He's been coached by, you know. Well, he's played Nick Saban already this year, right? Right. Ben- Brent Venables and, and, and Clemson are going to throw stuff at him, but he's already beat Alabama on the road.
1: Joe Brady is came from the NFL, is his, his yeah. offense coordinator. Burrow, he knows
0: what goes on. Burroughs had that training before that. I, yeah. I said this before in New York. Like Ohio State's not trying to take credit for it, but Ryan Day did help bring this guy along. Mickey yes. Mironi did help bring him along. He's been in that meeting room. He's been watching and breaking down defenses since he was – and diapers. Yeah. Uh, coaches, kids. Dad's that a defensive know, coordinator. Talked to you uh, earlier this year on the podcast. Uh great guest. You should go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, Joe Burrow's not going to be surprised by anything he sees. He's hundred percent healthy. This is the biggest game of his life. He's one of the most relentless competitors that you're ever gonna find. I, I don't know. i and, and keep, you know what I else keep, he's trying
1: to do? He's trying to take that Heisman jinx and stuff it
0: in a box. And he's so that kind of stuff matters to him. You've you've known him even longer than I have. Uh, he he is as competitive as they can. Yeah. And so you talking about Monday night and, and pouring everything out there. I not not even talking about the fact it's going to be eighty five percent purple and, and gold. You know, it would be
1: great would be to have him and Debo Sweeney at a press conference and talking about whose chips on their shoulders <laughs> is bigger or bigger what they've overcome the uh, etc and and the thing is they're both right right they are both right their stories are ridiculous they are now, what Debo Sweeney has done if he would just let other people talk about it a little bit more it would be a lot better so but I what he has done that. at Clemson is re- past remarkable what Joe Burrow has done in two seasons, he was an average quarterback last year mm-hmm. playing for an average team. Yeah. Uh, the way they've elevated that team, and not only that, but they've circled the wagons around Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is their guy. He's the Statue of Liberty <laughs> of uh, of their harbor. Yeah. If you follow my yeah. drift, I mean, that they're they all in on Joe Burrow. And just to think about the home field advantage situation, although Clemson fans will be there in force too, but sitting there playing – what seventy miles from Baton Rouge or eighty miles? I mean, just the whole the way he's taken on that whole state uh, to, to become their hero, their their latter day Huey P. Long. <laughs> now that's overboard, right? Yeah. Because I don't think uh, but, I don't think there's a lot of scandal involved no, with Joe I, Burrow. No, no, no. But I digress. <laughs> I just think this you you could write this story up for Hollywood, and they would
0: go, yeah, right. Well, and and it doesn't need exaggeration. And I, there have been people throughout the year, and I hope that this doesn't happen uh, on Monday night. That you know, oh, he was nobody recruited him from Athens and the small town. Dude, look at poor. the money he's raised. And I know it's amazing. For, it's amazing, but like people, are, you don't need to rewrite his origin story. Yeah. Or say that Ohio State cast him off. Yeah. Uh, that's the way that some people talk about it and believe.
1: Yeah. Like, that didn't happen. He, he
0: was competing. He broke his hand. He was competing head-to-head against Dwayne Haskins. It was a setback. Haskins got to play in the game. That gave him the edge going into spring ball. Ohio State would have desperately wanted to keep both of them and and have that one-two punch or even that competition going into August. There is not a scenario in this world where Ohio State wanted Joe Burrow to go to LSU or Cincinnati or wherever else that was on the table. They wanted him to be at Ohio State. That's it. So if you hear otherwise, please disregard this fairy tale because as you're talking about, they're going to write this movie script about Joe Burrow someday and it'll be like, you know, Urban Meyer and Ryan Day... Trying to kick Joe Burrow out of Ohio State. Oh, yeah, it'll happen. You know, Nebraska. Yeah. It'll yeah. be like Rudy. We'll say, we'll talk about, Scott Frost actually did say that. Like, he's not better than yeah. what we have. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the case at Ohio State. Yeah. They did not believe that that Joe Burrow could not win a Big Ten That'll title. That'll be
1: part of the Nebraska movie they make about Nebraska staying <laughs> where it is because uh, because they decided to go Scott, not take Joe Burrow. Scott Frost <laughs> did, did, did now make
0: two appearances on this podcast yeah. today, which I didn't expect. But, like, don't. Please, I beg you, don't listen to this fable that Joe Burrow was not wanted at Ohio State.
1: And speaking of Joe Burrow helping raise cash for uh, the charities down in uh, southeast Ohio, Athens in particular, I mean, uh, as you well know, I had to to cut up uh, every time I said, uh, the last, what, eight or nine podcasts of the regular season, I had to uh, put a dollar into my cut up.
0: Now we're down to just
1: chalk. You know, I, had to, I had to go to a bank account because it got so big. Uh, <laughs> chalk it up, so to speak. But I rounded up from 152 to 160 bucks, and we've already had a few people send in uh, donations. This was awesome. For 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 to match match or you don't have to match 160. You can give me 10 percent of 160, which is 16, or you can send in a check for a dollar sixty for like here one percent. But the bottom line is when when it's when it's finally said and done here in a couple of weeks as far as, like, you have to cut these off after time, right? We're going to present a check yep. to uh, Ryan Day on behalf, uh, on behalf of the Ryan and Christina Day Fund and on behalf of us at Letterman Row. Uh, to, now, this is a great fund going awesome. to yep. help mental illness, mental mental challenges, et cetera, psychological challenges for youth and adolescents. Uh, it's it's a great fund and uh, something that's getting more and more talk every day of the week about dealing with uh, with mental challenges out there for, for, for the youth coming up and, and right on into uh, adulthood. But uh, you can send it to uh, the Ryan Make your check out to the Ryan and Christina Day Fund and send the check to Letterman Row, uh, 22 East Gay Street, Suite 701. That's Columbus, Ohio, 43215. Uh, uh, the Ryan and Christina Day Fund. Uh, care of Letterman Rowe that's L E T T E R M E N Letterman Rowe at 22 East Gay Street Suite 701 Columbus Ohio 43215 and uh one of these fellows man he matched it dollar for that was dollar awesome. awesome and uh that's amazing because there are great people out there uh who really do care and evidently watch the podcast and <laughs> care about us Boston it's,
0: I love it it's uh <laughs> As you said, we're growing. We appreciate everyone who's been watching. This is just uh, the, you know, cherry on the top for this this year. Our year two in existence. Yeah, it was. Uh, I really uh, am glad that you're part of this, Tim. And and this is a really cool thing that you did. You didn't. You certainly didn't have to do it, but um, th- your podcast has been great this year. I want to keep it going forever, and we'll see what else we can start raising for this uh, this fantastic charity moving forward because. It's a great cause, and I know it's near and dear to the Day family's heart.
1: Well, who knew I'd like talking, but, you know. I, w- I had a hunch that yeah. this might
0: be a good fit for And you. I've
1: tried to get better as this has gone along. This isn't the end, by the way, but, uh, but it, this has been <laughs> – Sort of like the end of season one. Yeah. The end of season one really comes next week when we look back on that national championship game and look back on, holy smokes, that's Joe Burrow. He played at Ohio State at yeah. one point. <laughs> uh, it's just amazing how small – the major college football world has gotten oh. over the last ten years. I mean, and it's only going to get smaller. And you know, who knows? We may be talking about Kerry Cohn's being hired by Ohio State a week, a week from now. Uh, depends on how they do. Well, how do they do? You think? Can they get in a second upset in a row? I don't. That'd be a major upset there.
0: I, I think they're nine and a half point underdogs. Lamar Jackson rolling. I Lamar mean- Jackson, buddy. I'm not going to count out Mike Vrabel,
1: dude. You know what's happening though, and I, th- I think people are paying attention. What was interesting was what was to watch New England try to come up with some kind of offense with average receivers and a quarterback who couldn't run the other night. The the future of major of uh, pro football is right in front of your eyes right now with Mahomes, with even Ryan Tanne- Ryan well, Tannehill, the AFC, the
0: whole AFC, you know, Ryan Tannehill and beat and Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, dude. Deshaun because he can Watson. run a little
1: bit, but you're right, Lamar Jackson right on down the line. I mean, it's right in front of everybody, and that's what colleges are producing more and more. Is that kind of quarterback?
0: Gosh, who knew that these guys that are really good college quarterbacks who can run could be good NFL quarterbacks? Yeah, all really oh, blowing, his, my, blowing his, my
1: mind. His footwork in the pocket in the pocket needs to be better, etc. You know, the most of the major plays from now on in uh, from I'm talking about in the in in the once the playoffs start are just like college football most of the major plays are improvised yeah. most of the ones that win the games are improvised and you got to have an improviser and that's where it is going uh lickety split absolutely anyway we'll be back next week to talk about that and a whole lot more until then this is Tim May along with Boston Ward thanks for watching the Tim May podcast with the lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere